G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate and postdoctoral fellow research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. So this week is Research Week for the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs. We've added them into the mix. And so this is where we are showcasing the amazing research being done here at Queen's and to show how integral the research from grad students and postdocs are to Queen's and the wider community. So today, therefore, I would like to introduce you to Abdul Rahman Alashraf, who is a postdoctoral fellow in the BT Water Research Centre under the supervision of Dr. Sarah Jane Payne and Dr. Stephen Brown. Welcome to Grad Chat, Rahman. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Khalid. My name is Abdul Rahman Al-Ashraf. That's in Arabic and translates to Abdul Rahman Al-Ashraf, as you said exactly. And I go by Rahman. So as you said, I'm postdoc at BT Water Center at Queen's University, working with Dr. Stephen Brown and Dr. Sarah Jane and a team of people who are epidemiologists, microbiologists, and engineers. Our main interest is in developing tools to track the dynamics of certain agents in community through environmental studies. Uh, my background, I'm a vet by training, graduated from Syria. I did my postgraduate study with a focus on infectious diseases transmission and identification. And as to my background in microbiology, I was introduced to Queen's University to help in developing the needed methodology to screen for the presence of COVID-19 in wastewater. Wow, that's a big background already. So from vet to researcher or postdoctoral fellow, that's a, well, one could say that's a big leap, but maybe it's not such a big leap. Well, it, it all happens like all of a sudden. Basically, I love being a fit, but then I decided like I would like to have more training in the lab uh, on infectious diseases because if you think about it, most of the diseases actually started from animals, right. zoonotic origin. And when I started working in the lab, I loved it. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> And here you are. But what, Absolutely. I mean, I know the BT Water Centre, Research Centre is awesome. I'm not being biased or anything, but, but why did you come to Queen's to do this? Is it because of the Research Centre? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 a huge factor. So the center that we have here at Queens, it's like specialized for water studies. They do a lot of studies. They're looking into um, uh, contaminations in the in the water. Most of the th- studies are on drinking water. And when COVID nineteen happened at the beginning of twenty twenty, there was like a study looking into COVID-19, trying a new approach by testing wastewater. So I was really interested into this. And one way led to the other. I was introduced to Queen's team. I was like, I would love to join and I would love to work on this. So it it was a really exciting journey. And we are here. Uh, It just happened. Yeah, you are here, and what a, what a great, well, in one way, it's a great time for you to be here in this research, because COVID's here, so, so, uh, and I imagine even if it wasn't COVID, I mean, the, the research centre does a lot of other things as well, so having you here is fantastic, and as a researcher, you couldn't 
get better data than what's available in these past two years because of COVID-19. Absolutely. And and, and I just want to say a thing about Pretty Water Center. We do have fully equipped center. And it's really nice. Whatever you're looking to do, you would be able to achieve. And I'm right. talking about like instruments and equipments. And we do have the right people as well with the right expertise to help you with this. So yeah, we're just waiting for COVID-19 and <laughs> here we go. <laughs> There you go. And it just dropped on your doorstep. That was It was very fortuitous, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It is. Not that we hope to have this, but, but no, absolutely. we're going to see from when we talk about your specific research, we'll see how having such a research centre like the BT Water Research Centre, how the work that you're doing may be looking at right now, COVID-19, but potentially has ramifications for looking at other viruses and things that may be in our water, whether it's something that's harming us physically or whether it's because we've drunk it or we've had it and it's showing up in the water. So with that, I think we should get on to talk about more specifically what you're doing. And as you mentioned, you are looking at the Wastewater Surveillance of COVID-19 initiative. Can you give me just a bit of an overview what that is without getting into too much detail? And then we can ask some more questions from you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just to keep it simple, start with this. What we do is we screen sewer samples for the presence of SARS-CoV-2. So SARS-CoV-2 is the causative agent of COVID-19. And what we do is we screen the wastewater samples to see if it's there or not. At the peak of the pandemic, Queen's uh, team joined a number of universities and institutes to screen for COVID-19 and sewer samples across Ontario. The need was there because we needed to do something to stop the rapid transmission of COVID-19, right? Mm. Uh, so the project I'm involved in is coordinated and funded by the Ontario Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks. It's an initiative actually started to see if wastewater can tell about the circulation of COVID-19 and what information that we can generate to inform public health. So we started planning for this project at the end of 2020 and our lab started the work at the beginning of 2021. It was challenging as we started from scratch and screening wastewater in general, it's a relatively new approach. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, we built the plane while we were flying. And I think we still are, uh, we still have a lot to learn. Uh, in February, 2021, we went live screening for KFLA region. And now we screen sewer samples from a number of cities in Eastern Ontario, serving an estimated population of 1 million people. The data that we are generating is helping to keep track of COVID-19 and proactively informing public health decisions to help in protecting our communities. So that's a bit of an overview of what we're doing. Yeah, so it's interesting because... A lot of the times when researchers are looking at water, they're looking at the contaminants in there. You know, are there bacteria and things in the water that could affect us if we ingest it? Whereas this is the other way. You're looking at what we've eliminated from our own bodies to see what's showing up in the water, which happens to be showing that it's sort of it's, it's COVID-19 or whatever that part of it is that we're we're flushing out of our own bodies. So you're sort of flipping it of why we're looking at the water in this situation. Absolutely. And I would like to add to this, uh, just like behind the idea of this project, if we look into this, SARS-CoV-2, the virus, has been found in this tool from people right. who are symptomatic, pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic, which means once people are infected, 
the virus can be flushed in the twilight, right? And the genetic materials of SARS-CoV-2, the, 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 the source of COVID-19 or the causative agent of COVID-19, then can be found in wastewater. So by monitoring sewer samples, it's possible to identify the presence of COVID-19 in the community. So that's how, how it goes around. So, yep. Yeah, so what's interesting for me there is that, you know, we've got these tests with not using water, you know, the rapid antigen tests and the other tests that are around. But some of that only shows, doesn't always show up people who may be having it but have got no symptoms. So this is another way of showing that it was more prevalent in a particular region than we, we might have anticipated before because it's showing up, but they may, not have, they may not have gone for a test themselves. So they don't know they've had COVID because they've had no symptoms. Is, are we saying that with this way, you can say, well, there's actually more people in that particular population that have had COVID they just didn't know it. <laughs> so maybe our numbers of how many people have been infected are not correct. You just put it very nicely, actually. That's exactly what wastewater-based epidemiology, which is the screening of um, wastewater for presence of a target, tells you. What you can actually know here is the dynamics of an agent of interest. You know the circulation, how it is circulating around in the community, Right. Right. So that's why wastewater here, it's really helpful. You don't need to show clinical signs. You don't need to go to take a clinical test. You just flush the toilet. We receive the sample. We run the test and we can tell. And you can tell. Absolutely. So so with that, you, you called it wastewater-based epidemiology. Of course, we have epidemiology program at Queen's um, who do a lot of this and then they work very closely with public health. And it's very much population based of how how things start and how they spread, et cetera, et cetera. So in this way, you're, as you said, you're looking at the Kingston region. You've had one over a million people that have, or million, a mil, an area of a million people. Yeah, definitely and Eastern Ontario. Yes. So we're right. looking into five cities so far in Eastern Ontario, yeah. And, and what is it showing? What is it showing you? Because, I mean, how can you say, because in, here in Kingston, our wastewater, there's more than, is there more than one place where the wastewater collects and things before it gets cleaned up and everything? Or if there's more than one, how do we know where that wastewater has come from? Is it from downtown or is it from the West End? Is it from the East End? Oh, that's, 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 that's. That's all great questions. So let me just try to break it down a little bit on how the data that we have really helping public health. So we are screening up to eight sites and we've been doing this now for one year. So now we have kind of baseline COVID-19 concentration in the wastewater, right? So since we started the project, we've been working closely with public health and clinical microbiologists and epidemiologists, trying to understand the trends, trying to understand what numbers we are getting from the wastewater. And now we do have an established understanding on when wastewater data indicates and suggests that there is increase in human cases and potential outbreaks. So the data that we have is shared with public health and policymakers across Ontario, and we have direct contact as well with KFLA Public Health Unit. So through dashboards that are being updated once data is available. What we found is that we see a steady increase in wastewater numbers two weeks before the increase in human cases. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And one scenario, for example, that happened recently here in Kingston, the last wave 
that happened three months ago, which was the fourth wave, our numbers from the wastewater increased steadily before the, tra- before the dramatic increase in human cases. Okay. The wastewater data was used and looked at by public health then to help them navigate the outbreak and implement measures and help in guiding them. That's awesome. So we can sort of predict when the spike is coming, so to speak, and get measures in place earlier rather than it's here while we're seeing it, more people going into hospitals. So, you know, quick, what can we do? Being being reactive rather than being proactive. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're looking into the numbers that we have from the wastewater and we try as well to have it uh, compared with the active cases. And, and it is insane. So that support the fact that wastewater can tell what's going on in the community. That's, that's brilliant. That's, that's really good. Um, but again, though, I know you're saying in Kingston. So, I mean, is this a model that could be used elsewhere? Because we're just, you said you've got eight sites, but there's more than eight cities, for instance, or regions within Ontario alone. How do we get this kind of information out to a bigger a bigger group, or is this just really let's test it? The pandemic is here. Let's let's do as much as we can to learn from this, to make things easier moving forward. Yeah. So so what happened actually just the start of this project, it was kind of experiment that happened on the side in Netherlands at the beginning of the COVID nineteen pandemic, okay. and they were trying to look if they would be able to see the presence in the wastewater, and it was successful. And then they tried multiple locations and tried to compare it with the human cases. And it was going in the same direction. And from like since then, um, researchers and scientists and institutes, universities around the world tried to follow the same steps. Right. So this tool is being now used worldwide and in Canada specifically because we were working with, um, with a wide group of researchers and, and scientists working on uh, COVID-19 using wastewater data, it's being used now nationwide. Ontario alone, we're working with 17 universities and institutes. We are like a small team of very big team that is working to screen for COVID-19 across Ontario. So when we update the results, let's say when we send our results, other universities and other institutes, they are sending the results. So the big picture will be there for the policymakers and um, health decision makers to see how the circulation of COVID-19 is going and they will decide. So question for you, you're, you're testing the wastewater, totally understand that. So somehow your tools are picking up something in the water that's not necessarily should be in the water, i.e. this is something to do with the COVID-19 strain. But what exactly of the COVID-19 strain is getting through our bodies and out into the water? Is it this RNA word that I keep hearing or is it a particular chemical that makes makes people know that oh, that's related to COVID-19? What exactly is it? Yeah, well, that's, that's a good question. So it is the virus itself. So... Yeah, so the virus was found, as I said, in this tool, and it's going to the wastewater. So the genetic material of the COVID-19, it's there. So what we target when we run, we run PCR test, polymerase chain reaction, and we target specific gene that has okay. specific sequence, right, that will be positive if it's only this gene. And right. then we'll be able to tell that SARS-CoV-2, it is COVID-19, right? 
that's the same exact test now that it's being used in a clinical setting. So the, the one that we run in our lab, even though it's wastewater samples, it's PCR. It's still PCR, right. Exactly. However, what we run is PCR, but it's the advanced PCR, the quantitative PCR. So the one that we have, it does not only tell you that there is SARS-CoV-2, but it does tell you how many copies do you have. So once you have the numbers, you would be able to calculate back and see how much concentration you have in the wastewater. What ha- so what happens though? People been doing a lot of peeing and pooing. So I mean, does that affect the concentration levels? That's a very good point, and that's actually one of the challenges in wastewater because you you're dealing with very complex uh, matrix, right? And there is a lot of variations happening all the time. One of which the inconsistency, right, in using the washrooms, uh, mm-hmm. the ice melting, the uh, Runoff right. of the rain. There yes, is a lot there's of, lots of uh, things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A lot of uh, factors contribute to the uh, sewer system. It's not only um, the toilet system, right? So so here why we use uh, other tools to be able to help us to have a clean data. So what we use is we try to look into other viruses that they are consistently um, in wastewater in high concentration. So when we look into them, Right, and let's say that. Um, so you have baselines for those already. Exactly, okay. exactly. So once we see there is like decrease in SARS-CoV-2 or there is increase in SARS-CoV-2, we directly look back to the viruses and see the increase and the decrease happen to them as well because they should be within the reference range, right? The baseline that's that we have. So if there is like sudden change to all of them, that means there is something happened to the sample. You have an outlier here, and, and basically, it's not really serving you well to be able to see the big picture. And that's what we do next is we look at the changes in the concentration, and that will help us in correcting the signal. Because the change will happen to both, right? Because of the dilution. Right. So you can understand what dilution factor you have there to correct the signal. So another challenge must be something like COVID-19. We keep getting different strains of it. And so how do you keep up with your testing, just like how do we keep up with the the testing that we've been doing and the vaccinations that we're doing for COVID? How do you keep up with your testing when the strain keeps changing? Therefore, what you're looking for is going to change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's very important as well for our quality control and quality assurance, because the numbers that we're having, we are giving to public health, right? So we have to Mm. be confident of, let's say, that the decrease is the SARS-CoV-2 decrease, not because of mutation happened, and we're not able to detect SARS-CoV-2 as uh, we were able to before. So what we do is we target multiple genes of SARS-CoV-2. We not only target one gene, we target two genes, one which is the core gene and one which is the envelope gene of SARS-CoV-2. And for the Omicron, for example, or Delta and other variants of concern, what we do is we develop other PCR assays that will help us. Then once we have, like, we have SARS-CoV-2 there, then we'll be able to tell how much of the SARS-CoV-2 that we have, it's Omicron. How much we have, it is Delta. So Omicron is a, a, a good example yes. which you've used to uh, here as well. So when did we find out about the Omicron? Was it through the PCR test or through the wastewater? Oh, that's 
That's a great question, actually. So, right on. <laughs> See, I like doing this. I'm loving it. <laughs> well, that's that's amazing. You're really helping me with the questions, just like you know, on the same on the same lines. Okay, so we were able to find Omicron in the wastewater at the same time that clinical settings were okay. able to. But keep in mind, we're screening one sample mm-hmm. for all. Kingston, not all Kingston. We do have different locations. It will be like three samples for all KFLA region. But how many samples they were able to screen? Oh, how many sample they screened until they were able to say that it's Omicron there, right? right? So when you think about it, like even though that we've got it at the same time, but basically you're able to report this way faster because you don't have to go through thousands of samples to say like, hey, we have Omicron. Right. We run the sample, we get the results, it's Omicron. And when do you find, what do you do when you find an, an anomaly, which could potentially mean there's another variation? Yeah, so that's what actually I really like about this project, that we do have a, a wide group and we do have frequent meetings when we do see something happening. We do have kind of like steering committees uh, that will help us um, understanding what's going on and trying right. to understand what's going on and it happens before it happens before with the snow melt all of a sudden we saw there is decrease in the in the SARS-CoV-2 concentration right and but the human cases were going up and that's where we start looking into other viruses to right. help us correct to have the actual concentration so and i believe it's really important to to see this kind of anomalies because we'll help you to have a standard of procedures that if it will happen again, you know exactly what to do. Yeah, it's almost like whenever we're doing testing or lab results or anything or experiments in general, you know, you have these baselines and at one stage you know what all the variables that could be affecting the baselines, which is helpful because you know that they're there or potentially there so you can eliminate them. But then something pops up which shouldn't be there and go, oh, What's that? Exactly. <laughs> and I so you can start looking happening. at that specifically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like really, really bad. <laughs> and and especially when you're like looking forward to have something and you have something totally different and you don't have an explanation. Right. So, and you need to come up with this explanation because what's really unique about the project that's we're involved in is the turnaround time. We need to get the samples run and we need to get the data submitted to public health as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So when you have something weird, it will be like, I need to figure out what's happening here because it will happen again. You have samples coming every single day and you right. have data to report every single day. So you have to really be careful with this. So when you see an anomaly, even if you haven't figured out what it is, are you alerting your colleagues at the other sites or the other testing sites to oh, yeah, say, this is, this is showing up in hours. You may want to look out for that yourself as well. Absolutely. That's what we do. And we call it outliers until we're able to have a logical explanation for it. Yeah. And then whoever comes up with the solution straight away passes it on to the next Absolutely. person, the next yeah. group. Well, that, that's a great, great teamwork. I mean, first of all, within your own lab, uh, finding out all of this, and it's certainly helping the, the Kingston community, let alone um, Ontario and the rest of the country, etc. So with this, I mean, you said you, this is a, 
a, a mechanism or a process that you can go through and this is in particular for COVID-19, but it could potentially be used for detection of other viruses moving forward, whether they're endemic or pandemic. So what are you hoping? Is there a specific model that, which I know you said started off in the Netherlands and people have taken that up and, and I'm assuming it's been improved upon. Are you hoping this particular model can be used for other viruses? And is it is it easy to say that it's it could be used for all of them or just only a certain type of virus? Well, well, that's that's a great question. So, so wastewater testing proved to give meaningful information that we can use to track the circulation of COVID nineteen. And I believe what happened with COVID nineteen just opened the door to to think about and look into other viruses and other targets uh, of concern, right? And now studies actually are being conducted and proposed screen for other viruses, for example, flu, right? And what right. what epidemiology can investigate other agents. It, it doesn't need to be like pathogens. It doesn't need to be viruses. It doesn't need to be uh, bacteria. You can look into drugs, for example, opioids. You can look into how much concentration of opioids you do have in certain location. What I see uh, would be really helping in utilizing the wastewater data is to have a predictive model that can right. translate the signal into numbers. And instead of we say that there is increase in the concentration of virus X, for example, in wastewater, it would be nice to say that there is increase in the human cases of virus X by this much. And we predict that we do have from 20 to 30 cases, for example, of infected people. Right. So if we will reach this point, that would be meaningful, would be very helpful. Uh, and I, I see this is coming because the amount of efforts that's being put into wastewater and the studies being conducted, it is, I, it is, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. As you mentioned in the beginning, we're very lucky at the BD Water Research Center that we, you've got all this equipment and things to be able to, to do this. Some places in the world don't have the same sorts of technology and resources to do this kind of testing. How do we help those regions? Because sometimes it's those regions who may have more viruses going through or start there um, and they they don't have the capability of realizing it's there until it's got to the point of, wow, we've got a real problem. Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. And it's a concern because when a pandemic happens, it happens everywhere, right? So you, you don't need just like need to know what's the circulation of the virus in your region, but you need to understand what the circulation worldwide. And like you said, there is some countries that they're not able to. We are fortunate to be able to, but there is some countries that they don't have the means to do all the tests that we do. What we believe in is that we're working now on wastewater and it's kind of research and surveillance program at the same time. And we're getting the, the testing Streamline. So what I hope is that we'll reach the point that we do have a universal protocol mm. that can be used by other countries. So other countries, when they would like to apply this tool, they will all they will already have it like streamlined. They need the instruments and they will be good to go. How that will happen, I believe now there is a lot of associations actually who provides this. Would this be something like the World Health Organization would get behind or, or are they getting behind it right now? Yeah, uh, I believe. Yeah, there is there is a lot of uh, organizations actually giving grants for low income countries right. to build labs 
that's able to screen and for viruses in the country and do surveillance work because it's it's, it's really important not um, it's it's important worldwide it's both ways interest right mm. um, yep. if we need um, to understand the the, the circulation of certain uh, virus, we really need to understand the transmission and the dynamics and how it's going around. So um, we really need to do this. And in course, in epidemiology, you're trying to find out where's ground zero. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, patient zero as well. <laughs> patient zero. Yes. Sorry, yeah. patient zero. I said ground zero, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, in your case, no, actually, that's correct, because it's ground zero, like which country, uh, let's say, True. the virus started in. So that's that's correct. Um, hopefully, that will be coming, becoming like really soon. And the tools now we're using in terms of wastewater testing, it's not as complicated as it used to be. Right. Uh, I remember the first year we're like trying to, as I mentioned, like we're trying to see if we can generate data. It was kind of like experimental to see what kind of data that we have and how we can make it helpful to public health. Now that it has been done. So other countries mm-hmm. and people interested in implementing this tool, they don't need to go through this. Right. Right. But what they and, and, and as well, as I, I said, there is wide community working into in wastewater based epidemiology. Right. And they're happy to help. So uh, and, and by the way, when we started the work, I remember that we were in contact with the Australian team and they were like among the, um, the few teams that they started uh, the surveillance work. So we're like in contact and they were like very helpful. And people now try to share their like protocols online. Brilliant. They try to share videos online. They try to share the methodology that they're using online. Right. So you can look into and try to implement. Raman, it's awesome what you're all doing there. So thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining what is going on and, and how your lab alone is helping fight or getting giving us better understanding of what's happening with the COVID virus here in Kingston. So thank you so much for that. And lots of work still to be done, I'm sure, but clearly got a good team there. Oh, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for for having me. It's been really nice having a conversation with you. And uh, and I'm really um, impressed uh, by the questions, just like right on, which which is a really (laughs) good sign. Because when we started this project, like earlier on, we're talking about wastewater. People like, what? What? How? Exactly. So now we're having the discussions. It means like it's really, really getting like familiar with people. So that's a really good sign. And uh, thank you so much for having me today, as I said. And it's lovely being at Queens and uh, really uh, very fortunate to be surrounded with a team of people that they do have the expertise needed and they're able to uh, make a difference. I didn't ask Raman to say all those nice things, but he did it anyway, <laughs> which is another reason we wanted to come on today for this special week called Research Week here at Queen's. And uh, he's certainly a good ambassador for both grad and postdoctoral research here at Queen's. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for you, Colin. It's been lovely being with you today. Excellent. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.